You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Gate 7 International Podcast. I'm your host, Adi, and we have a surprise appearance from one of our bloggers, Steve Godoru. Steve, how are you doing today? Well, you know, man, I'm good. I'm off the bench. I'm here to do nothing and then score a header. So just, just like Hassan, <laughs> before Hassan left alone. Uh, happy to have you here, man. Happy to have you here. Uh, guys, if you haven't done it already, uh, please make sure you subscribe to the channel. If you haven't done it, like I said, just give us a like, give us a subscribe. The community continues to grow. We are trying to do really big things, and it is really important we get the community together, especially for some of these big European games coming up. We really want to have the Libyakos community strong going into this game against Fenerbahce. Uh, but before, before we go forward, uh, just a couple of quick housekeeping items. As always, guys, a HEPA season is upon us. It's the fall. This is when a HEPA gets rolling with things. Scholarship opportunities for kids or scholarship opportunities for anyone about to go into college or even grad school. So think about joining a HEPA if you are a parent and you want these opportunities for your kids as well. Do the same. Check out a HEPA, join, and see what you can do to help the motherland. Uh, lastly, we want to thank our sponsor, Preis International. Preis International is your one-stop shop for all of your international transshipping needs. Whether you're shipping olive oil, packages, cars, or relocating completely, Preis International is here to help. Freight forwarding services available to almost any port around the world. Please contact our friends at 410-675-4696 or email at sales at piraeusintl.com. All right, not really any news to get into, so let's just ju- dive in real quick to the post-match. Uh, Steven, when you saw the lineup come out this morning, what was your what was your initial thoughts? My, my first initial thoughts were that I'm really glad that Pedro Martin seems to finally be settling on a formation, you know, because there's been so much jumping about over the last few weeks as to what he's going to use, and I think for the league, especially against a team like Asteras, no disrespect to Asteras, we should be playing 4-2-3-1. We should be taking the game to them. And that's what I saw for the most part in the first half. Um, and so, yes, I, I was happy with the, with the actual formation lineup-wise as well. There wasn't really anything for me really that stuck out. And I, I thought, oh, that's not really what I wanted to see. Um, so, yeah, I, I was I was fairly pleased with what I saw, to be honest, Daddy, yeah. Yeah, I um, when I saw the lineup, the the one caveat I'll say is uh, I saw Bukalaki starting again, and that worried me a little bit for a couple of reasons. We had brought up uh, after the Apollon Larisa game, and I brought it up in one of the post match blogs that I did that he has just played an absurd number of minutes, uh, over three hundred in before this game, of course, leading into the Apollon game. Uh, it was 300 minutes in like 10 days, which is crazy, crazy the ana- amount of game time he's had. And if you're not counting the Olympiacos games, 
you know, also the ethnic key. He was playing a lot for the ethnic Yomada, which is a lot to put his body through. And then he played again today, almost the full 90. And you have to wonder sometimes, like there's always one player, it seems like, that Martins just runs into the ground. One or yeah. two. Valbuena in the past, now Vukalakis. It's it, it, Now, maybe he's playing him because he's not planning on starting him in the European game. But I don't know. I feel like Bukalakis has to be starting. What do you think? I, I think you're right. And you know what? From from what you just said, I, I do agree with you. Like, I, he didn't even get substituted off, did he? I, I, I don't think at all. He played the full 90. And, and may, maybe it's to take the pressure off of Jan and Via, who's still mm, coming back from that injury he had a couple of weeks ago. Maybe that might be why, because Via did come on late, later in the game. But yeah, I mean... Unless he's not planning on playing 4-3-3 or he's going to play Gunde as one of the midfield three when we play Fenerbahce in, on Thursday, I Wukalagis might start again. And, you know, he's got great energy. He he runs a lot. Um, but how much more energy can he give when he's been playing so consistently over the last few weeks? Um, so that's, that, is, that is a big concern for us. You know, is he going to be 100% for, for Thursday? Who knows if if and also if if he if he thinks that he is when he might not be and Martins gives him the get go you know it's going to be difficult we've seen Bukalakis drop in these European games after he's played after for for a period of time and it's shown in his performances um, previously in Europe so we'll see does he trust Gunde to start over him I'm not sure well that's the question right so uh, there were a lot of what I'll call angry reactions following the uh, the starting lineup. And because people were just, they couldn't believe that after the performances we had from Kunde, that he wasn't starting. Now, again, I am going to believe, choose to believe that it's because Martins did not want to run Kunde into the ground, maybe, and he is going to be starting in Europe. But I am still very deeply worried and concerned that what we're going to see is Bukhalaki's play again. He's going to start again in that Fenerbahce game. I don't know why. I just can't shake this feeling. And I am a little bit, I'm a little concerned about it uh, because he cap, he was captain again today. And I just, he feels like he's getting undroppable at this point. Uh, but, you know, We'll we'll touch on that more later as maybe we look towards the Fenerbahce game. But aside from that, I was happy with the rest of the starting lineup. Obviously, Karbovnik playing on the right, uh, mm -hmm. leaving people concerned about what's going on with that right side, what's going on with Lala, uh, Socrates Cisse uh, as the center back pairing. Uh, and then going forward, it was obviously going to be Masuras and uh, Baby Kamara getting another start with Tiquinho mm -hmm. again and Onyakuru flanking on the left. So... The game started off pretty well. I mean, we got the the goal decently early. So, and then it was followed very closely by we have to say quite a, a lucky shot by Baby Kamara. That was the most uh, FIFA goal I've ever seen. It just went right <laughs> through the keeper, and then, a, and then a player tried to, the player trying to get it out of the goal when it was too late. Honestly, a bit of luck, but it was coming. You know, we, that, that's what happens when you actually apply pressure to the opposing yes. team. You know, and it, a huge mistake from the keeper, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I wasn't surprised that we we doubled our lead, and you know there was a, there was that bit of worry when they equalised, 
as well because I thought, oh no, like I hope we don't drop after this. But obviously, it was it was close, but rightfully called off for offside, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah no, I, it was. It was. It was. It was offsides. It was. I mean, you yeah. saw the bars. It actually was quite some space too. I mean, it it looked closer when you saw it happen, but then when they did the the VAR breakdown, there was actually quite some space. So they got the right call on that. But you're uh, you hit on a point that we bring up a lot, which is about the 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 follow through or the the crashing of the goalkeeper. Uh, Tequino has brought that in spades. I mean, he is relentless. He follows the ball wherever it goes. And Masuras was always one that followed that up as well. So if Tequino hadn't followed through, right, he wasn't following through in the box ahead of uh, Masuras's shot or ahead of Masuras receiving the ball from, Ma- from Madi on the cross for the first goal, that goal doesn't happen. It doesn't. And yeah, it, was, I mean... it was that effort was rewarded. And you love to see that. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I love that we have Masuras back. It just showed, I know you guys touched on it last week, but I'm going to say it again. It showed how much we missed him the last few weeks where he wasn't mm-hmm. present. And now he's just, he's creating stuff. He's so much more positive. His work ethic is there, like back again. It, we, we needed that so badly for, um, and it's great to have him back. And, and Tokino, like we all knew, I think we all knew that Tokino would be great. Like obviously it's still very early on in the season, but we were, I think the, the only debate with Tikino was whether he could play as a, as a lone forward. And he's showing that. He's showing that yep. he can play up front by himself. And and it's good contest for El Arabi as well, but who, you know, has had a bit of a mixed start to the season, which obviously he, he had last season as well. But now there's actual competition because everyone knew w- when it was El Arabi and Hassan, there was not really going to be any contention as to who starts. There was always going to be El Arabi over Hassan unless he's, El Arabi was injured. But now you're, you know, Tikino's really like pushing for for the first team striker role with his last two performances no he really is and i think in in our we'll say in our bubble uh none of us were concerned about Tequino. i mean most of us i think agreed but again between between our our group here we'll we'll call it our podcast blogger group no one was really worried about Tequino. uh i did see that there were some people concerned I mean, the the level we saw him playing at, I understood the fitness concerns, but we knew, I mean, this guy is looks like just a man playing with playing against boys. I mean, his sheer physical overpowering nature is crazy. You can't get this guy off the ball. It's it's wonderful to see. He is he's got this like animal-like hunger for the ball. And you love to see it. His shot placement's incredible. Uh, we we talked about it in the last game against uh, Apollon. I mean, sh- he actually placing shots or placing balls like there is intent. He has intent, unlike what you know. Not to not to disparage Hassan because Hassan did great work for us, but yeah, especially not we, while I'm on here. <laughs> <laughs> but you got. But what frustrated is Hassan would just his goal was clearly just to make contact and. You could see because Hassan could get unlimited number of opportunities, and there were games where he just never nothing happened unless the goalie was off balance or what have you. Tequino not only makes contact, but there is intent. There is intent with his shots. Uh, we would never have landed Tequino if Martins hadn't coached him before. That's clear. Yeah. And he is definitely capable of being a lone striker. He showed that two games in a row. Oh yeah, definitely. And and also, you know, I guess this is also very early doors talk, but. 
he's the heir to El Arabi, in my opinion. And, and get him at 30, like 30 for the Super League is a great age because he's still... He doesn't entirely rely on pace. He, he it's just about his technique on the ball and his and his strike. And he's not going to lose that, even if he even if we have him for what like two three years or whatever, you know. And and you know maybe longer term for Europe against higher caliber opposition, he's going to be important because he's a he's a high caliber player. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And El Arabi is actually testament to everything that you said. Now yeah. El Arabi is probably a little bit more technical on the ball than Tequino is, but for the sure. point stands. El Arabi was never the fastest person around. He's he's quite physical, but I wouldn't even say he's the most physical person around either. And yet he's gone two seasons in a row with 20 plus goals. So how can you how can you argue with those results? Now, going forward, you know, we have two great options and it's gonna be great competition. I I I'm hoping that Martins is kind of settling in here with the the four two, the four two three one, but there are still transitions in game to the four four two, and we saw that today. Now, I wanted your take on another, um, we'll say, a tactical change that Martins made. So we saw about it was after I think the second goal, Martins made a switch. He took uh, Baby Camara out of the ten roll and swapped him with Masuras. Then Baby Camara was playing out on the wing, and Masuras was playing, we'll say the 10, but really he was playing as a second striker with his movement and the way the shape was on the field. What was your take on that? How did you feel about that? It's a weird one because we've never played with a proper, as far to my knowledge, we've never played with more like a, a false nine behind the four, like the striker, more like a 4 4 one, four, four, one, one formation. You know, that's something I haven't seen before. And I think, I mean, it didn't kill our attack, per se, but it, I don't think that is Masuras' natural position. Sure, M Masuras has played as a number nine before, but on a very rare occasion, and that's when he's been the main man up top. Can he do that? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess these are the games where you want to try and test stuff, and that's that's where you can make the mistakes, uh, mistakes especially when you're already two goals up. And I'm not going to lie, Asteras didn't really really challenge get us in attack other than the goal that was ruled out for offside so i guess it's okay to try stuff like that in these in these kind of fixtures when you're when you have a comfortable lead but i i didn't think it was great um and personally i i just think the fact that martins over the last couple of weeks like i said earlier has simplified what he's been trying to do and has just gone back to the basics and we look so much better doing the basics i think you should just try stick to that um you know four two three one four three three Maybe a, still a place for three four three against bigger clubs in Europe, but we're unlikely to face them at this stage in in the Europa League if we progress further, or if we go to the Conference League um, as a consolation. So, I think that with Martins, he just needs to keep it simple. And if he wants to try the four four one the four four one one, I hope he doesn't do it against Fenerbahce because just keep Masuras on the out wide man. Like don't play, just play Aguibo at the ten because and play him as a ten. Don't play, don't jiggle about in big games in the future please just do it when we're done with the game we've won it already but don't please please don't do it against like a big club because that could be our undoing yeah i we have actually seen masuras play as a 10 before on this team uh when we played against balk when we beat balk a few months ago one nothing he mm. scored the goal when he was playing in the 10 position uh he played as a 10 against asteras or sorry, not against us. That as technically, I guess he was playing as like 
when we were doing the three four three as an attacking mid against yeah. Arsenal. Uh, but I I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it either. Uh, there's a comment here. Masuras is ideal as a second striker. Honestly, with his work ethic and the mold of player that he has become, he's valuable pretty almost anywhere you put him. Uh, but when when you're looking for a 10, when you're looking for that engine of your offense or somebody that's going to help you create those opportunities, he's not a Fortunis, right? He's not, he's not the person that's going to be looking those lanes open. He's more of the guy with the end product now. He's the effort, the crossing, uh, the guy getting shots on target. That's what he's good at. That's what he's valuable as. There's value there as a second striker, but I don't see the value as a number 10. Uh, but that's my personal take on the whole thing. But also, I think with the players at our disposal, I think we're still not quite ready to have that formation as a team because we don't have the creativity out wide to supplement the fact that we then have a lack of creativity in the where there would be a number 10, where there's now a, a false nine. or And then you need your cent, your central midfielders like Kamara, who creates, but not to that extent. You need, you need more creative output from him. You need the... The fullbacks are then supplement with creativity, and that's still a bit of a hodgepodge right now. So it can, it's possible, but then the rest of the team need to sort of compensate for that if we are it, to try that more consistently. Exactly, exactly. And then it also doesn't help when one of your wingers is not really giving you the output or the service that you expected. Uh, Henry Onyekuru had a disappointing match for me. Now, I will say this, uh, he did track back well today, so I'll, I'm going to give him that. He tracked back well, he won the ball back a few times, um, especially when he lost it a couple times as well. I'm happy with that, I'm okay with that, but uh, I'm. it's been a couple games in a row now, I'm getting quite annoyed because the value I saw in him when I evaluated him uh, during one of the deep dives was getting him in stride, using his speed to beat players, and going on goal. But I... We've seen now uh, he did it against uh, Apollon Smirny. He also did it today. We would catch him in stride, but it didn't look like he had the pace to beat them. Now, some of it was maybe the ball wasn't uh, played in, in that perfect way. Uh, you know, sometimes also it was him dribble, just dribbling back into pressure instead of using his speed to beat the pressure. Uh, maybe trying to dribble a little bit too much. Uh, the, the one silver lining, I'll say, is that the manner in which our players, the Olympiacos players, kept looking to send him long. Me, it, That to me indicates that in training, there's something there. Because Cisse even did it a couple times. He would get the ball, look. he looked at Onyekuru and tried to send the ball forward to Onyekuru uh, you know, on the run. So there were players that looked to see where he was running. And that makes me think that at least in training, it's it's dangerous and people are looking to send him. So maybe it just hasn't quite worked out yet. I also saw there was some frustration, some of the body language between Onyakuru, Masuras, and Tequino. Uh, there were a couple breaks where it looked like uh, Onyakuru, especially in this, uh, I think it was early in the second half when Onyakuru was on the break on the other side. He was on his left-hand side still, but uh, on the other side of the field. And he was running forward and both Masuras and uh, Tequino were yelling at him, he kind of oversteps, over dribbles, doesn't play the ball into them, and they got really upset with him. So that, um, I, th- I think that will work itself out. I'm still willing to give 
Onyekuru more time. But so far, I don't see a player that we should have spent nearly as much money as we did on him. No, I think I think we can all agree that the fee was too much. You know, we, we could yeah. buy a cut like two players who would probably better fit for cheaper than like with the total accumulated price that we support for Henry Onyekuru than we would have. But it he frustrates me because he shows flashes of his talent. And then he'll just do like, and but then the other like, so twenty percent of the time I see, oh yeah, like great link up play, like I love his passing. He he looks like he's his fast passing is really I, I really like. He gets into the right positions, but then the other eighty percent of the time he just isn't in the game, and it just it really annoys me because he could be doing so much more. And, and like you've said before, Ari, maybe it's because of the the team we're playing against. Maybe it's because he's better as a as the kind of player that can pull players out if, if we're on the defensive and then we counter um and maybe we'll see that maybe we'll see that against Fenerbahce who apparently he had a good goal rec- uh, goal scoring record against but it's and and also we have to um, we, I think some people do have to understand this is the second time all three of these players have played with each other in a team you know Takino Masuras and Onyekuru so there's I I'm I'm willing on your crime but then i was also one of the few who was willing to give kenny lala time and that's that's sort of going going really really south so we'll see i mean he's a frustrating i don't think i'm upset as in like i don't think he's worth being in the team i don't think he's not good enough to be in the team it's just he frustrates me because he's showing it in very very small glimpses but it's not enough to justify a lot of his price or his kind of being on the pitch currently uh we'll see what well, there's it's still very early but i yeah i i agree with you there but i know i think that really a good test for onyekuru is going to be in this game against fenerbahce yeah. you know a team that's not going to be packing the bus on us a team that's going to be playing us quite openly i expect so uh that's that's i think we're going to see better from him there because I guarantee you, aside maybe from a couple of the derbies, all of these teams are going to be playing behind the ball against us. Henry Onyekuru is not going to be able to find that space behind the players that he likes. Uh, I actually thought his, when it came to his interplay today, I haven't rated his interplay at all uh, because I think his touches can can be quite heavy. But today I thought it was pretty good. He actually Mm. was able to pass the ball back and forth quite well. Uh, it was more like what he was doing in those positions where he's supposed to be dangerous. That's where my that's where my issues were with him today. Uh, now uh, on the in the middle, more the middle of the park, uh, Baby Camara started the game off energetic as he always does. But you know the young players like him have this tendency to disappear from games or not really be able to take complete or control or hold of a game and that you know that comes with you know that they grow out of that as they get more experience they'll develop that uh but the and the more we see a baby camera you know the energy is fantastic but i am from the it's really early to be saying this by the way so i'm just gonna start off with that because i don't want people to think i don't rate him as a 10 i don't know if he yet at this point if he is capable of being the 10 this team needs which is why we've seen Martins flex him out, or I should say switch him onto the wing twice now. This has happened twice where he's done this. So Baby Kamada is a very interesting player, very talented, 
very energetic, always offers us something when he comes onto the field. But uh, he, I, at this point, I don't think he's the 10 that we need. And I don't know who is. Is Rony Lopez finally going to show us the player that we hoped for? Is he going to be Can played as a 10? It? That's the question. Is Lopez going to be played as a 10? Uh, is he going to come on and actually show us anything? Because as far as I'm aware, as far as I'm concerned, he's shown me less. And this yes. I might be. He's shown me less than even Onyekuru has. Mm-hmm. And that's like saying something. Because Onyekuru has been drips and drabs. Lopez has been less than that, but then I guess Lopez is, hasn't really had a proper start. He hasn't had a lot of a huge amount of time. I don't know what is how much time he's actually played in all competitions overall. I haven't checked that, but um, it's got to be it's definitely less than Onyekuru has. Yeah. Um, and uh, and with Aikibu, like he's like you said, he's showing so much, so many good things at such a young age. And I think, like you said, I'm less concerned about him hitting burnout in the 60th minute than someone like Onyekuru. Because when Onyekuru hits burnout in the 60th minute, I'm like, okay, you're a professional. You're at, like a prime age. You shouldn't be doing that. Whereas Agibu is like, okay, he's young. And then the, yeah. another thing with Agibu is that, or baby camera, as, as Peter loves to call him, which I've started doing as well. Um, he has such a big comparison to make for Olibiagos fans. Because for us, the comparison is Fortunis, who's is just levels. Like he's on when Fortunis is at at the at his peak, he's levels above almost everyone else on the on on the pitch for for us. And so that's a big kind of shoes to fill. But he's doing it relatively well for now, you know. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. And uh, uh, I guess a comment that agrees with you a little bit, Stephen, from Lex here, Baby Camara reminds me of Baby Yoda. At some point mid-season, we will realize he has a name. Yes, uh, we will. It's just, you know, when you have two Camaras on the team, you have to distinguish the senior and the junior. You know, it's uh, if we're being realistic, Madi probably leaves, whether it's in the winter or the summer, he's going to be gone. Uh, yeah. And then baby Camara will be V Camara, you know, and that will change. I think baby Camara is catching on though. Ever since we started putting it in all of our, some of our social media posts about him, people have been jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, uh, baby Camara's baby Camara. Look, listen, when he finally is no longer a teenager, maybe we'll call him by his name. But uh, yeah, for, for, for now, he, he still looks like a child. I mean, the kid looks like... Yeah, he, yeah. He looks, he looks like really he's young. He looks How old is really he, like young. 19? Like, he's he's 19, 19, yeah. Yeah, he looks way younger than that. He looks really young. Uh, it's And it's hysterical. Uh, and, and on Baby Camara, there were some post-match comments from Madi um, uh, saying that, yes, uh, uh, you know, yeah. he he had uh, teachers in Guillerme and, in, and, and now in Jan and Vila who have helped him and helped him develop, helped him develop, and he wants to be like that for Baby Camara. So, I I, I like that, and I think that's very nice. Uh, I can't imagine right now a better role model for Baby Camara to have than Madi, because Madi is a, has become a great player. We've had the privilege as fans of witnessing an elite player made. I mean, he came to us raw. We saw that there was something there and something, you know, that that if it was worked on, if it was developed, this was really that diamond out of that coal or whatever it is they come out of that, that you could really polish and make a wonderful gem. And Madi has become that. So I really think that, you know, hopefully I'm hoping that could be the same. If he keeps his head on straight, uh, we'll get something great out of him. Uh, Now the midfield pairing, Steven, this is, I guess the, uh, Mm -hmm. Second to last bit of the uh, the the overall analysis. 
how did you feel about the the Mahdi Bukhalaikis pairing today? It's it's always hard to judge against the team like Astellas, who, you know, historic in the last season also have been one of the tougher teams, the best of the rest bunch, whereas this season they've had a very poor start to the season. So it's always hard to assess. I don't think they were terrible today. Like they I thought they functioned fine. I wouldn't want to see that in a against a one of the bigger Greek sides like Bao Kabathinaikos or Aik, certainly or Aris, like certainly not, but like and especially not in Europe. There's there's no way that can fly in Europe. I mean, we saw that in Martin's first season that it wasn't that was not enough, especially because Guilherme was in and out of the squad, if I recall, um in the first half in the first part of uh, Martin's season. But um yeah, that's I again I think that was more just because Jan and Villa wasn't fully fit. And also he wants to save him properly for the Fenerbahce game where he will inevitably play. Um yeah. against against the smaller teams, it's not a a big deal if they can do what they did today i'm not too bothered but i don't want to see that as like the definite midfield two if we're playing 431 because i don't think that gives you and i don't think bukhalagis is great great professional great captain doesn't do what jan and via does i don't think to the extent that envia can in that same position which is why if i was to you were to pull my arm on it i would want to see maddie and jan and via as the midfield two not not um, Bukalakis and, and Camara, I don't think. Well, I think uh, our good friend Costa here, a fellow co-host who couldn't be here today, uh, I will eat my shoes if Martins doesn't start Camara, uh, Bukalakis, and Avila on Thursday. Only doubt it's Avila. Don't want him to play with injection again. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is true, and this has been debated a lot. I've been seeing it on social media about uh, Jan and Avila. And- I'll hold him to that. I'll remind him on Thursday. If they're not playing together... He's gonna have oh, to he's got to eat it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Live stream, live stream. Costa or, eating a shoe. He makes a shoe. He makes shoes that like cake that looks like shoes, and then I'll take that. Yeah, I'll yeah, take I'll it. take that. Um, I'll take that. You know what though? I, I'm going to go back on a thing you said earlier, Ari, about the midfield too. Mm-hmm. And I know people are frustrated that Borghalakis played today, but if I'm honest, I don't want to see I don't want to see Maddie and, and Kunde as a midfield two either because I think they do too much of the same thing, and then there's no real defensive stability and we've seen that before in games where they have played together very rarely i can't i think there was like one game they did it. i can't even remember if it was a friendly or not but i didn't like that at all i, I didn't think there was any sort of any sort of player that was dropping deep because they were getting in each other's way so it, yeah. in a midfield three it would work better but I, that's another one i wouldn't i don't i think would be arguably a worse pairing for me because they just i don't think they fit well together yeah i think i mean Look, people, Greeks especially, the Greeks in Greece love to to just pack on the hate for Bukalaki sometimes. And in the first half, I thought he was uh, he was playing well. I mean, he finished the half with a 100% pass accuracy. He had a couple of great balls going forward, multiple interceptions, uh, a boatload of ball recoveries as well. The He never gets recognized for that grunt work that he does and his ball control we have to be honest is really good he doesn't misplace balls a lot he has a a, one of the higher overall pass accuracies uh, on the team uh, in just in general and he's he's very he's very solid distributing the ball switching the field we saw a couple of those nice long balls and switches uh today and that was something we always praised and valued Guillerme for, but yet we don't give the same, we don't give that same, how should I say, 
those same accolades to Bukalakis, but we give him crap because once he'll he'll uh, di- he'll we'll, he'll lose the ball once in a while. I mean, he's got uh, an overall pass accuracy to start the season of almost eighty eight percent, and last season it was about eighty eight percent as well. I mean, that's pretty good, guys. Near near ninety percent pass accuracy is pretty good if we're comparing midfielders. Uh, do you want it to be in the it maybe in that low nineties? Okay, that's great. But I mean, we're talking about the level of player that we can actually obtain here. And Bukalakis as a Greek player does that does that well. Now he's not as dynamic and he's not gonna be a guy like Madi that can take players on and be a playmaker and do all of it. That's not him. But we have found the niche that Bukalakis is successful in. And it's working for us. And multiple coaches see it. That's why multiple coaches for Olympiakos and the Greek national team always stick with Bukalakis. It's one of those things. It, you know what I mean? That's what he offers. And it's valued very heavily by coaches. So now my only concern about this is because um, if he play, I just don't want him to play because I, he's played so much. And he looks tired sometimes. Uh, and... And sometimes with the build, the ball and buildup, he just looks a little slow with the ball and buildup. Maybe that's fatigue, or you know, I mean, he's always been a little slow in buildup. But I, I don't want him to keep running into the ground. Super sub, maybe, but I would much rather see um, a uh, maybe a midfield three, maybe a midfield three this week against Fenerbahce, since our midfield's our strongest point. Uh, if Mvila can't play, well, then you have to go Kamara, Bukalakis, and Kunde if Mvila can't play. But if Mvila can play, I'd rather see maybe Kamara, Mvila, and Kunde to give Bukalakis a break. What do you think? I agree. I think if it, just with regards to giving Bukalakis a break, I think it'd be more than deserved. I mean, he won't want to. He won't want to be benched. He won't want to rest against in such a big game. You know, this is a huge game. In, unfortunately, this huge game also has ties to not football-related subject, uh, topics, but that's besides the point. But um, yeah, he, he'll want to play regardless. It would be great to see Kunde start because I think a midfield three of of those of those three players would be so dynamic. It would be so cool to watch. You know, Maddie making the passes, Kunde running at people, Jan and Veer doing what he does best. Um, and you know, I think with with Bukan Lagis getting crap from from. Greeks in general, that's just such a Greek mentality thing for players. You see it all the time. Like one bad game for Ethnic or for their club, instantly they're a bad player. And that's just it's such a negative mentality to have. Because that doesn't ha- that happens sometimes with, with foreign players too, but it, they don't get as much slack in like after one game. They'll maybe if they are bad for a long for a, a more extended period of time, then they're like, okay, this guy he doesn't he's not good enough for the club. He has to go. But with a Greek player, one bad game, and that's they're like they're suddenly they can't play football anymore. You know, they yeah, yeah, can play better than them, or you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I've I've never thought that the that the hate that Bukalakis gets is fair for, especially considering the job that that he's done for this club. Um, obviously, I will continue to be. I thought Kunde should be rewarded for those appearances, but I'm gonna sure. hold judgment on that until we see what happens on Thursday. If Kunde does not start on Thursday, then I'm gonna be concerned as to why we are running Bukalakis into the ground uh, because it just doesn't make sense. And Kunde has been a rock star the last couple of games. He has looked incredible. Uh, I, I posted a lot of the, the statistics and data related to Kunde's work 
in the previous two blogs that I did. Uh, the uh, one, you know, detailing that Kunde effect, what he does, what he offers when he's on the field, how our press changes, how it is improved when he's on there, because the guy just looks like he can run all day and he just runs on players all the time. And then you had Dequino into the mix, who's of a similar vein, who just is hungry for the ball and pressures everything. It does wonders, wonders, wonders for our game, for our press. Uh, and especially it's something in Greece, it's invaluable, especially against these smaller teams. Now, against Fenerbahce, I think this team has to take a different approach because Fenerbahce is a better team than what we're used to playing. Uh, you could make the argument that they're better than most of the other teams in Greece, uh, I'm including some of the big five. They have some players on there, uh, some very, very good players that some people might uh, remember. Uh, maybe one that isn't as good as he used to be, but still should not be underestimated, a one Mesut Ozil. Uh, now, Steven, how, how do you think this is going to pan out? Do you think Ozil is going to be starting against us? He was on the bench for a couple of games for Fenerbahce. Uh, do you, what, do you think, what do you think about that whole situation? Well, it is interesting because they also have Belkas on their team. Yes. And Belkas yes, will want to play against us just as much as Ozil will want to play against us as well. And they can't and they both they both uh share the same position. So it's either one of them for me. And I mean Ozil started his Europa League campaign well. He scored against uh, Frankfurt. So he may get the he may get the nod. I don't know whether he played uh this weekend for Fenerbahce. I don't I haven't checked that, but I, I think I think it will be Ozil to start because he's going to want to. He's played against us before. He knows Olympiagos uh, from his time at Arsenal because we play them so often. Um, so yeah, he he's going to be up for it. I think, especially because it's Turkish clubs always get up for it when the big Greek clubs come to them. You know, they they really get fired up. They want they all want to win this game, probably more than any other game this season. Maybe a bar a title decider between. Galatasaray or, or Besiktas. That's the only exception. They'll want to, they will want to beat us. Period. Yeah. I, I believe that for both on, we'll say on and off the field yeah. issues. Uh, now, Ozil did not play uh, their league game. Okay. Uh, so he, he did not, but uh, I was, I just went through, quickly went through the, the match sheet and I don't see Belkas on there either. Oh no, sorry. Actually, they both were subbed in the 86 minute. Okay. I, I do apologize. They both came on very late. Perhaps they were being saved for this, for this European game. Um, but they've been, it's very interesting because it looks like they're running the, uh, three, four, three. It's more like a three, four, two, one, but hmm. They're very much interested in running this three four this three four three situation with either they rotate between having two wide two wider wings or two uh, two midfielders with overlapping backs, kind of like we were doing back in. So it's going to be interesting how they approach us. Uh, but I think for sure this is a game where we need to dominate the midfield. And given the skill that we have available, where our strengths lie, our strength is not in our wing play. Our, our wing play, I think, is one of our weakest. Aside from maybe a player like Masuras, I think we need to rely on our strength in our midfielders, which are the core and the backbone of this team right now. Uh, now, before we continue on that note, we have an interesting comment here from uh, from To Shaklami. 
Have you guys seen Kenny Lala lately? He is an Olympiacos player who plays as right back. Hope he is alive. Uh, we, we covered this a little bit earlier. Um, the treatment with Kenny Lala is, is a little bit concerning to all of us. Um, but he's one of the players that we believe was singled out by Marinaki in that uh, locker room visit, a player that maybe seemed like they didn't care as much on the field. He has that, that air about him. Not, I don't want to compare it to like Fortunis, but kind of, you know, just he, he doesn't, you don't see that aggression in him, you know, like a Taquino or some of our other players, uh, Kunde even. So I, I'm, I'm worried. Uh, I know, I, th- I think it was Lambro that in a previous episode predicted that Lala's probably out the door um, in the winter. Uh, if things don't change, I could see that being the case. I'm so disappointed with this because I wanted him to succeed. We all did. We, we all wanted Lala to succeed because on paper he has, he has the, the, the capabilities to be a great right back for this, this, this team. He's played at a high level. You know, he came to us, yep. maybe not fit the system. Obviously he played in a very defensive system at Strasbourg, but we expected more. And over time, it's just, he hasn't shown it. But at the same time, there's also, I think there's an argument that he hasn't, entirely given the opportunity because I looked at how many games he's played for Olympiagos. He's only played five games for us in the league. It's not a lot. That's, that's and, and that's a lot fair. Of probably won't start either. No. You know, and, and while, while right. the performances again, like the performances in Europe most recently have, have not been great. You know, that that's not debatable. But I think that the, there is a caveat to the to that where has there is still a part of me that wonders if he has been given the opportunity and I, part of me doesn't think he has. But then also, this was always going to be a fairly low-risk uh, transfer for us because of how cheap we got him for. We got him for like 600K, which is nothing yep. for a player of his apparent quality. So if we were to sell him or if we were to you know, do the typical Marinaki sort of contract, cancel, go on a free transfer, goodbye sort of thing, it's not a huge loss. Maybe wage-wise it might be. But yeah, I, I hope he turns it around. But it's every with every week he doesn't play and is not even on the bench or and whatnot. It's starting to become a bit more bleak and apparent as to what the club are gonna in terms of the direction they're gonna take with Lala, and that's that's yeah. just a shame. That's a shame because he's a good enough player to play for us, but it's just not worked out as for, from this point. And I hope it changes. I I I do agree with you there. I think uh, what the I'll, I'll say the opinion that the opinions that i've seen on social media uh various also greek outlets is that um he was given enough of a chance over the summer uh you know he did play he did start i think uh both games against uh nefchi baku um he started uh or no he started one game against nefchi he had uh the start in the first leg against ludogorets he also started both legs against Slovan Bratislava. And a lot of those performances, most people uh, were not, Im- we'll say they weren't impressed uh, with those performances. And I think that's where that's coming from. So, uh, look, I also hope for the best for him because uh, I, I still think he has something to offer. I think he came in and it was difficult. He didn't gel with the team quite as well as maybe we hoped. Uh, Oleg has done a much better job of assimilating and he's become a very important part of our offense going forward. Not to mention he's just, I mean, Oleg is, 
is crazy. I don't know. I forgot who said it in our group chat um, with the with the other bloggers, but uh, I mean, he, someone said that Oleg has like pistons for legs. Yeah, uh, I remember that. I remember someone saying that. Yeah, it's true though. Like he's 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 like the complete opposite, as you said. He he came in yeah. in the first few weeks. He was in the team, obviously, uh, and it was just no justification. Obviously, there's some areas of his game that he's had to improve as we have expressed before and he started to improve on those things so he's becoming a more complete player now and even even the likes of Karbovnik who you know he came in as a as a backup left back and he's not only done more than Lala he's done more than what um who came in last season who was so bad but and I've forgotten his name already who's the left back from Wolves no from Wolves oh Vinagre Uh, yeah that's it he's done more than Vinagre (laughs) like yeah like he did more than Vinagre in half a game than Vinagre did his entire time in Birea. So fair play to and fair play to Karbovnik. Like he's not the finished article by any means either. And he like um like I like Baby Kamara gets tired fairly quickly because he's also very young. He's only 20. But yeah. he he's doing he's offering a lot more than Lala has, if I'm honest. And so and same with any previous fullback we've got since we got rid of, since we lost um Zimi Gassan El Abdalawi. Yep. Uh, no, and Garbovnik, he looks good. I mean, we knew coming in, I mean, the the stuff that was being told, I mean, when I watched him play in the deep dive, the Polish journalists, that Brighton, uh, uh, the, the Brighton journalist that we spoke to, is, everybody spoke very highly of him and his technical ability. Uh, the, the concern, obviously, was he's just kind of small and not very physical, but uh, I saw great things when he played as a midfielder for Leo Warsaw. And there was one point in the game where Karbovnik gets the ball and he, uh, there's a player in front of him. He takes the space in the middle. And you got to see a little bit of what he can offer in that midfield because he took that space. And when he took the space, oh man, it was like the world was his oyster there. Uh, he was he was ready to to distribute the ball, get get it back. Uh, obviously, the play then developed after he played the ball. But I mean, he looked like he was home when he had the ball going into the midfield. Uh, so I'm excited about Karbovnik. I don't. It's unfortunate because we're never paying eight million. I don't think for a player. Oh, I was going to say, there's no way yeah. we're paying eight, like the fee. The, the it's not obviously yeah. as, as big as what uh, as what Vinagre's was. But right. we're still not paying about around eight mil for him, which is yeah. a shame. That's like the one sad thing about him. He's going to have probably have a good season with us, but yep, he'll go back to Brighton and he'll he'll probably get more minutes to Brighton after the performances he's had, and if he continues on his progression, I think so too. I think uh, you're hundred percent right. Uh, I I swear to God, somebody even said this before uh, in our group chat. Lex, yes, uh, Lex is saying, well. oh, like might be the left Dasos Pados. I've heard this. I've read this. Like everyone seems to be saying the same yeah. thing. It's so funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I do. I do love it. I do love it. Um, uh, Steven, we actually have kind of neglected a little bit in this discussion, our defense. Uh, we did touch briefly on like the wingbacks today. Mm. But we didn't really address the center backs, Cisse and Socrates. Um, do you think they're going to be the starters for the game against Fenerbahce? I think they almost have to be at this point because obviously Semedo is going to be slowly reintegrated, but he can't be part of the Euro- European squad unless there's 
a massive injury crisis in centre-back or we get through to the next round of insert European competition here and, and we can then relist him. So it has to be, I'm afraid, because Barr isn't showing enough for me right now. And I think his attitude isn't great. Cissé, I know he's still had one or two, he's had a, one or two mishaps in the last couple of games where you think, oh, like he, he put he put kind of Vashlik in an awkward position a couple times but he's not but his energy and like his his attitude is so much more positive than Barr right now I just think he he has to start even though he lacks the ball playing of Semedo I, I just think it's it's the only two that I think it will logically work in, uh, in this situation because Socrates as well I, I think he's just been consistent for me he's uh, consistently solid consistently a, a great leader at the back um so while, while I would prefer Semedo to be there, as just based on his, you know, his technique and what he can do, despite his performances prior to him being annexed from the team for a period due to what has happened uh, outside of football, it has to be Cisse and, and um, Socrates for me. I am right there with you. I think they're the ones that are developing the chemistry, but I want to diverge here. Uh, you brought up the attitude with Ba, the issues with Ba. Um, this is the second game in a row where we've looked at the bench and we've seen Ba with headphones on. He's had headphones on listening to music on the Listen bench. to the Gate and Seven International podcast, man. Like, maybe, you, you know, maybe, maybe he is. But, you know, even if he is listening to uh, a, a lovely edition of the Gate Seven International podcast, does that bother you at all? Does this bother you seeing a player on the bench with headphones? Because I'm going to be honest with you. When I was playing at any level, whether I was playing uh, you know, in the Olympic development program for my Region 1 team, uh, for my high school team, if any one of us was caught doing that, if any one of us had headphones in on the bench and we weren't listening, or you know, w- that would have been... Oh, I can't imagine how many laps I would have had to run or what I would have had to do after the game. Push-ups, you name it. So what do you what do you make of that? I mean, is this just is this just one of those things? He's a player, maybe that's his process, and he's done this this whole time. We're just noticing it now. Or is this something concerning for you? I think it can be of two things. It's such a minute thing, but at the same time, I think it's a very important thing that you brought up. I think on the one hand, it could be like you said. It could be just a way how he keeps himself in a, a like a positive mental state before going into a game. That's that's something that some people do do before they do anything intense, whether it be a football match or anything else in their life. Um, but on the other hand, you do need to be in that space and in that sort of in that place to keep watching the game. Because I know if if I go and see a football match, I don't want to be sitting on with my headphones. I know it's different because I won't be playing, but it's still like you want to be watching the game and seeing what's going on so that if you are brought on, you know what your job is completely. You know what has to be done. You're, you're in, you're focused in that one moment. So I think it's, it's hard because it, you don't really know what's going on in Barr's head. Uh, So it could be taken completely the wrong way or it, it is what it shows on the pay on on the pitch and and on the bench that he doesn't care and some people might read into that either way 
That's how, I mean, I'm going to be honest. That's how I read it. I don't like it. That's a bad look for me. I've been concerned a little bit with Boz attitude issues for a little bit while, uh, while mm. now. And I know a lot of other people have. And to me, this just kind of furthers the, you know what I mean? It's like a, a pouty child. He's not playing and he doesn't really care about being there. Uh, he had his you know, chance. He had his, he was he next did. to Semedo for the first half of the season. And sure, like Socrates yep. came in and he wasn't always a guaranteed star after that, but he was still showing signs of he's part of the team he's a great third option when Cisse was sent out on loan and then it all unraveled with the more like we so slowly over the towards the latter stage of the season we saw is kind of the impatience the attitude start to become a lot more negative on the game and then it all culminated in that sending off against Arsenal which obviously the game was done but then that really made the game done after that you know it really put us out yep. of the tide with him being sent off and then it happened again um in Europe in Europe this season you know, in an important game where we were trying to get back into a tie and eventually we went out to Ludogorets, which was in, which was not what we wanted to see. So yep. the second leg, make, he got the red, he got the red in the second leg, which screwed up. Exactly, exactly. And and so it's stuff like that where he's he has what it takes to play for this club, but then he has to sort out his attitude. We but we've been saying that for months and he hasn't sorted out his attitude. Whereas you have a player like Markovic who could take his role so easily and do a much more professional job, in my opinion. If you want me to, if, if, if I might, am I completely honest, with the centre-backs we have available right now, excluding Semedo currently, obviously, because he's not backing with the team, Markovic would be the third choice for me. Uh, you know, if I was the manager, I would pick Markovic to come on over Bar right now, based on his attitude, based on his performances, which have been a lot more positive, and he's shown me a lot more consistency in his mixture of being able to be on the pitch be in that moment and be uh, like a, a better attitude and influence on the rest of the team yep you shown a lot actually, more maturity as well it's about it's all about maturity yep. no it is it is it is and that's the annoying thing because what made a lot of us fall in love with ba in that uh in that uh, second season i'll say was how he went from being this player we got there like oh my god a preseason we thought he was garbage and all of a sudden he won us over and we considered him the most improved player in the season with how he was playing. And then we saw what happened last year, but you know what? He was working hard. He was doing things. We thought the Arsenal game was, you know what? It happened. He was crying, but then he never learned mm -hmm. from that mistake. He never learned from it. And those, his head got a, bit, a little bit above himself. He made those comments that he was ready to play in the premier league, things like that. Uh, that he won everything there is to win in Greece. And I'm sorry, look, you were get you're getting good, but you're not there yet. And yeah. I want to see, I want to see that hardworking Bob back. I want to see that player come back that had an ax to grind, putting the work in and showing it on the field. That's what I want to see. He does that. He becomes the number one center back for us again. Uh, on the Markovic thing, that bothered me. I was really annoyed mm -hmm. that we saw Avram playing and not you know, and that Mark, you know, the spot was relinquished uh, and Markovic doesn't get a spot in the roster because of Avram. That bothers me a lot because that's the I, wrong I mentality. Because look, uh, yeah. Avram is going to be a great influence on the squad as a whole in training yes. and, and such. And, you know, he, he knows the club inside out. He's been there for years, et cetera, et cetera. But is he going to deliver every single week at his age? No. I mean, it's because he scored that great header against against Alice in the friendly. Maybe that's one of the fourth like centre back role. I don't know. Yep. Um, but 
Yeah, that that too, because I I do think Avram should really just be the sort of fifth choice, maybe playing the cup against a second tier side or a lower Super League side, and then we have or, uh, like next to Markovic or Bar, whatever, if at all, and then Markovic is the definite right. You're playing consistently in the league, maybe yep. come in for a cameo in Europe, depending on the result or where where the game's going. That's that's yep. kind of what I would like to see more. Martins, as we know, is hard to impress, hard to sort of change his tune with players and where they play and how often they play. And Markovic just has to, I guess, do more of what he's doing in training. And hopefully he gets a chance. It's difficult under Martins, who's very rigid in in who he likes to play. Yep, you are 100% right about that, Stephen. Well, we're coming up on about an hour here uh, since we started. Uh, it's about time we get into it. Man of the match coach is great. Steven, go ahead. Give us your man of the match and give your grade for Martins. Man of the match is probably Takinia for me. Again, like he he got the goal, was great in terms of the attack in general. I can't really think of anyone else who would get it over him. Like maybe Masuras is in in the in light for it as well. I think I think for me it's Takinio. I'll give it to Takinio. Uh, yeah, Tequino even could have had a second goal. Yeah, um, when he had the ball right in right in front, but he took that little extra touch instead of maybe taking the shot, and the and the Aceras defender closed him down a little bit. Um, I just to be different, I'm actually going to give it to Madi. Uh, Madi did play the ball in uh, for you know that the initial ball that led to the goal. He mm. had a couple of decent plays as well following that. Um, so, uh, and I also have midfield bias, so everyone knows that I just, I accept it. I I'm very honest about it. It's just and a I shame Fortunis isn't there because I would just give it to Fortunis just for being. Oh yeah, absolutely. There, <laughs> of course. I usually, that was, uh, that was definitely who probably I would have given it to as well. So, and what's your coach's grade for Martins? It's again, the game was just won by half time. It they didn't really threaten us in the second half, and I guess there were people, there were players I would like to have seen come on, like we said with Markovic, and just it's it's really a weird one for me. I think I guess I'm going to give him an A because it wasn't perfect, like it wasn't A plus, A star, whichever you want to go by. Yeah, I mean, it didn't do much to upset me, Martins, and he set the team out how I wanted, more or less. Like you said, Bukhalakis may have got a rest, but uh, yeah, it's it's an A for me. I, I can't really see anything bad or, or better than what I what I did see today. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree either. I think uh, you know it was an, it, it was a comfortable win. I never felt really uneasy with this game. Um, mm. I, I liked I liked seeing even though I wasn't a fan of Masuras playing in that central role. I did like to see the switch. I saw you know he made the adjustment. He's always really good usually with game script and and managing the game. Um, I was okay, you know, with him kind of locking it up in the second half just to secure the 2-0 win uh, with some of the substitutions he made. Um, uh, I kind of wish maybe, you know, a guy like Surlis got a run. Uh, but, you know, yeah, no, it's okay. I can't. That for sure. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I can't. Um, we, we could, there's only so much that we can, you know, uh, pick apart. So uh, it's going to be an A for me as well. And then before we sign off here, Stephen, we did get an interesting question from Fetano. Guys, who will we start up top against Fenerbahce, Red Hot Tequino, or good old reliable El Arabi? Uh, Stephen, what do you think? 
it's a good headache for Martins to have because El Arabi yep. scored against Antwerp, but yep. Tiquinho's in better form. So as long as he doesn't start both, I'll be fine. <laughs> like four four two, no, no, no. Just anything with two strikers, no, thank you. But um, ah, oh, it's so difficult. I mean, he gave El Arabi the rest this week. Like he rested him and brought him on in this game. I can't remember if he even brought him on midweek. Midweek feels like a million years ago. <sighs> Am it I going to be biased really and just did. go El Arabi? I'm, I'm going to be biased and just say, even though Tequino's done great, I probably El Arabi for me. Like, because in Europe, he, oh, it's so difficult. I'm going to fine. I'm going to say El Arabi. Even if I'm wrong, I'm going to say El Arabi. So, I, if it were me, I would be starting Tequino. I always yeah. prefer to play the hot hand, whoever, but I think Pedro Martins is going to start El Arabi. Yeah, that's, maybe that's who I think he's going to. I, that's maybe that was my mentality in choosing him it was like that's who i think you'll pick right yes. i want to see exactly yeah. exactly um well uh thank you everybody for listening especially if you made it this far uh guys like i said we're trying to get this community as big as we can if you haven't done so already please like subscribe all of our channels let's try and get this community big and thumping before this game against fenerbahce let's get that turkish crowd Let's get them a little bit scared with what we, you know, bringing this community together, chanting for Libyakos, supporting Libyakos. Let's do what we can in the positions we're in to help Libyakos. Uh, going into this game, I know maybe we're not expecting much, but we still want to support this club. We still want to do everything that we can to bring everybody together that we can. So continue to help us bring all of the Libyakos fans from around the world to make this bigger and bigger and bigger. Again, thank you guys so much for continuing to listen. We're going to be having some uh, pre-match coming up as well. Uh, we're going to be getting uh, a look from a Fenerbahce expert uh, or and or writer as well uh, to get a better look at what the team is going to maybe line up as and what we can expect. So until next time, guys, this is the Gate 7 International Podcast. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olibiakos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olibiakos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL, Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city, and our story. Trilos, he said. Stomialo, katimajiko.